but I wanted to uh, just give room. Uh, we're really blessed this morning to uh, have my friend. He's not a stranger to you, I hope. If he is, uh, he's not going to be after today. Uh, he is uh, the other half uh, of, of, of me in some ways. Uh, you know, like when you have a brother and you, you feel like you've been separated at birth? Uh, that is, in fact, John. Uh, and uh, we were on the phone earlier this week, and uh, actually end of last week, and um, Obviously, you know that we've been kind of navigating through uh, a, a particular series of things over the last several weeks within the context of our church body and community. And as your pastor, uh, that has a tendency of wearing on you. And uh, I come to realize, he said, when was the last time you took a break, like from preaching? I said, oh, man, since I took a sabbatical of being a year. He was cool. Well, I'm going to come preach for you on Sunday. And I said, you are? He goes, yeah. You know when you have a friend that can just tell you, like, you're going to sit down and I'm going to come and preach for you? You know you got a good friend. And, uh, and if I was being honest with you, he knew exactly what I needed because this week has been so refreshing and so encouraging um, because I didn't have to get lost in preparing, although I have a message, always. You know I'm always ready, uh, but I'm thankful to have a brother who can call me in the midst of uh, a pretty difficult season and uh, have the courage and the wisdom to say, hey, you need a break, and uh, I'm going to come and cover you, and, uh, and I'm humbled and thankful for that. So would you just stand with me one more time and give Pastor John... Uh, a warm welcome as he comes and gives us and encourages us in, in the word. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray real quick, church. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, for your goodness, for your love. We thank you for your joy. We thank you, Father, that we can acknowledge that it is in you that we live, that we move, and that we have our being. Father, we are absolutely nothing without you. We are totally dependent upon you. And if you don't move, our being here is all dung. And so, Lord, would you visit us today in Jesus' name? We already sent your presence in the midst of the worship, God, but would you take us higher? Will you take us deeper, Father? Allow us to have an encounter today in Jesus' name. Allow us to experience the mysteries of your love, the mysteries of your grace, the fullness of your mercy, how much you care for us, how you chase us down, how you embrace us, Father, how you lavish love on us in exuberant ways, Father, in Jesus' name. Would you whisper to my brother and to my sister, those who are here standing to my left and to my right, that there is absolutely nothing impossible for God. And so, Father, we reach for you today, Lord. Father, we long for you today. Lord, we are hungry today, and your word is true. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And so, Lord, fill us today. Fill us to the level of our expectation, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise God. Good morning, church again. It's good to be here at um, my, my home. I like to call it home. Amen. After, after a while, you don't feel like a guest. Praise God. But I like to call it home. I love uh, your pastor. He is my brother. He is my friend. And uh, some of the most significant moments of the last five years of us really being reconnected because I believe that God does things in the spirit around before we are even formed in our mother's womb. And so over the last five years, some of the most important and significant moments in my life, he has been a part of, and I am eternally grateful. I love you, amen. I love my sister over there with that flower dress on. 
I love her as well. <laughs> That's my sister. I love her. I love my nephews in the back. Amen. Mama Cat over there. Praise God. I see Auntie Sally somewhere in here. Where's Sally? Went with the kids. I mean, it's just like family. My big sister Elise. Praise God. And then there's a human over here. She's my favorite human. Praise God. That's my wife, uh, Portia Scott, the very fine first lady. That's what I refer to her as. And uh, I, am, I am better because of who she is. I like to tell the story that if, if God had to choose to find the womb to bring Jesus back into the earth, if he had to, I believe he would do that through my wife. Amen. I don't know another, a better human on the earth than her and I'm grateful for her and for my three children, 26, 16, and nine. 26, 16, and nine. Now typically when I say 26, people look at me and be like, oh, when you take care of it, it'll take care of you. <laughs> when you take care of it, it will take care of you. I tell people I drink my water and I mind my business. And so when you take care of it, it'll take care of you. Father, would you meet us here? Would you teach us, not by power nor by might, but by your spirit? We've been in a series here at Purpose Church entitled Fresh, and we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit. And so true story, um, I, Pastor Aaron and I were on the phone. I said, I already got a message. And he was like, well, yeah, I talked about love uh, joy's up next. Uh, that wasn't my message, praise God. And so because I understand the mantle that's on this house and I understand order, and coming up in about a month, one month from today, actually, will be 26 years communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. One month from today, that's my anniversary, 26 years. And in 26 years, I learned that when you are invited into a house, then it's just right to fall within the flow of that house. So I went back to my prayer closet and I asked the Lord, Lord, what would you have to say to your people? It is not me speaking, right? He's using my voice. I am simply a vessel who's given the opportunity to echo in the earth realm what it is that God has to say to you. God knows you better than I know you. And God has a way of releasing one word from this sacred place and through the power of Holy Spirit, translating it. So you walk away feeling like, oh, that was just for me. May that be our experience today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about fresh. Let's look right at the scriptures. There we are. I want to start out with a question. And here's my question. My question is, what makes you different? What makes you different, right? People say perception is reality, and there is some truth to that. But the question deeper is, what makes you different? I would offer for consideration as believers and as followers of Jesus, our differentiator is the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says over in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so in order to frame it contextually, we've got to understand that God is a spirit. And that what makes God stand out are the fruit of the spirit. These characteristics of this fruit. 
right? And so we're really on this journey as believers, as Christ's followers, to make sure that when I stand out, what makes me different is the very nature of God. The Bible says that we were made in his image and after his likeness, in the imago day of God. And if God is a spirit, we are so gifted with what should make us different, what should make us stand out. And so let's frame it around that. Galatians chapter 5 is what we've used as a foundational text for this series, and we'll stay right there. Verses 16 through 17 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Strong words there. Let's look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We've got to understand contextually that Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And the church at Galatia is really coming on the tail end of the book of Romans, right? And so there is this deep-rooted connection to the law, that thou shalt do this, 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 and that. And so then now you inject Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit. And so you now have to learn how to live a life that is led by Holy Spirit. So that's the context of this letter here to the church at Galatia. Verse 19, he begins to talk specifically based upon the context of what he is observing in their experience. He says, the acts of the flesh, meaning that I am seeing this in your space. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Verse 21 is where I am. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's saying there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening right now, and it is not consistent with the Holy Spirit whom you have received. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's why this is so special, because he doesn't leave them hanging there. He gives them a picture of what will cause them to stand out, what will cause them to live and look and experience the fullness of who God is, of who Jesus is in their life. He says in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, gent kindness, goodness, faithfulness, verse 23, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So it's important, and I know we've learned this, it's not nine different fruits, right? It is the fruit of the spirit but the characteristics of this fruit. So it's like an orange. An orange has a peel, it has seeds, it has juice, it has the meat that's in there. If you take away one of those elements, then an orange ceases 
to be an orange. It is the exact same way that when we as Christ followers are filled with Holy Spirit, it's all of them that is required to be on display in our life. If we take away one of them, then it's not the fruit of the Spirit. Is that fair? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Goodness, since we live by the Spirit, that would be a real good tattoo. That's just a thought, just a thought. Since we live by the Spirit right on your legs, let us keep in step with the spirit verse 26 let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other here's a truth to consider here's the first truth to consider is that fruit is an identifier fruit is an identifier right if i wanted apples i can tell whether or not this tree can produce apples for me if i see apples on it I know what type of tree it is based upon the fruit that it is producing. I think it's a fascinating concept that in a world with so many options, with so many choices, with so many new wave things and the universe speaking to us and this emergence of all these things, that the believer, that the body of Christ more now than ever before, I believe that we must be identified by the fruit that we bear and the fruit that we bear ought to be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Fruit is an identifier, right? And so here's an identifier defined. An identifier defined, it is a piece of information that helps you recognize a distinct person or thing. What's an identifier? It's a piece of information that helps us to recognize a distinct person or a thing. And so it's fascinating because as we read through the Gospels, what we understand is that a tree is known, a tree is identified by the fruit that it bears. Then as we go and read through the, uh, the Pauline epistles, we are encouraged to be living epistles that are read of men. And so let's connect the dots there. We have this incredible opportunity that as men read us, what are they reading? They are reading love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. They are reading the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit. We are identified as his own based upon the fruit that we produce. I want to lean back in. But the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Lord, may this be what identifies us. May this be what people read when they look at the life of the church, at the life of the body of Christ. But the fruit of the spirit is love, not hate, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Really what would happen in Bible days theologically is that they would have a law for every single thing. They were the book of the laws. They were tremendous governance in order to say you've got to do this or even to explain certain things. But then when he comes into the fruit of the spirit, I asked the Lord, I said, well, why would the writer write against such things there is no law? 
because this is so deeply personal. This is so deeply unique to the characteristics of God that he gifted to us when we receive Holy Spirit. So there is no law. We can't go read and try to dot an I and cross a T. This is something that is a byproduct of Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so last Sunday, we talked about love, talked about love. And so let's examine another characteristic of this fruit uh, in order as they appear in scripture. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy. So I want to preach this morning from the subject, choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. As we begin to do this, I want to look back at Galatians 5. And right there we see it. But the fruit of the spirit is love and then joy. I remember growing up in Sunday school. I don't know if churches still have Sunday school anymore, but growing up in Sunday school, what I learned was that joy means Jesus, others, then yourself. It was nice, but it's not biblical, you know, but it is a nice, it's, it's, it, it, is, it is nice, right? It is nice. We can, we, we can go through and we can build it. You're not going to find that as a scripture, right? Thou shall understand that joy is Jesus, others, and yourself. No, right? But what you will see in the gospel is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so if we wanted to link it to a scripture, we could. But it ain't written and inscribed that way. But the fruit of the spirit, one characteristics is joy. There's a quote I want to share with you that is found um, in my studies by Madeline Langle. And what Madeline suggests, she says that joy is infallible proof of the presence of God. I thought that was such a good statement. Because sometimes if we are not careful, we would assume that because I don't feel joyful, that there is the absence of joy. But the reality is that according to Psalm 16 and 11, the Bible says this, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is fascinating because this really encouraged me because the truth of the matter is sometimes we don't always feel joyful. Sometimes the vicissitudes of life can happen and we can get a curveball, we can get a left hook, we can get something that we didn't expect or even something that we did expect and ah, it happened, the layoff happened. I sensed that they were talking about me behind my back. Sometimes life gets so heavy that you are bearing burdens so long that joy becomes a distant thought. And what I love about this scripture right here, he says, you will show me the path of life because in your presence is the fullness of joy. And so whether I 
feel joyful or not, if I can just create atmosphere around me for the presence of God, then I can find myself in the midst of joy. And if I find myself in the midst of joy, then eventually what's going on around me will seep into me. You all remember that point. What's going on around me will seep into me. The Bible says it is the fullness of joy. Joy, folks, isn't an emotion. Joy is a posture. Joy is a decision. Joy is the overflow of my soul. Joy says that I'm grateful for what Jesus is doing right now. And even if what he's doing right now, I don't understand. I trust him because I know his track record. I know that he's good. And even if it's hard for me to understand that he's good, I can go through the archives of my life. And I can remember back in 1998, you did this. Back in 2005, you did this. Back in 2007, you did this. You remember that pandemic, I got the COVID, but I came out alive, God, it was well. Those are the things that can prompt me joy. If I can think about what Jesus has done, then I can create presence around me. And then what's going on around me will seep in me. And then my response is a joyful response. So I want to give four quick biblical truths about joy. We're going to put some Bible on it, and then I'm going to talk one more thing. We're going to put some more Bible on it, then we're going to go to lunch. That's joyous. All right? Number one, joy strengthens. Joy strengthens. Joy is an offering. Number two. Number three, joy is a gift. And then number four, I did this just for y'all. Just for y'all. Purpose. Instinctively responds with joy. Purpose instinctively responds with joy. Let's go to number one. Joy strengthens. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter number eight, verse 10. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. Why? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Our teaching point is that joy is strength. The joy of the Lord, perhaps it's not my joy, but I can leverage God's joy. And when I leverage God's joy, then I find the strength. All I know is that in 42, couple months, 43 years of living, there have been moments where I didn't have the joy that I needed in that moment. But I have learned how to leverage God's joy. And God's joy was strength for me. God's joy was strength for me. And I just believe that God's joy will be strength for you. God's joy will be strength for you. I was thinking, like, you know, sometimes we can create presence by learning how to sing in the dark, yeah. wow. right? And it's like dark seasons of our life, situations where we're like, yo, Jesus, I, I know you said weeping may endure for a night and joy's going to come in the morning, but like, yo, this is a long night. 
Right, it is not just 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., but night represents a season, and perhaps there's a season that is so long that I feel like, where is the joy in this? It's been five years, it's been 10 years, it's been 15 years. I have been faithful, I've been praying, I've been giving, I've been trying to watch, hold my tongue, I've been turning, I'm out of cheeks, I'm out of cheeks, you know, but when are things going to change? Bible tells this story about Paul and Silas when they were in prison. They were in prison, and then joy showed up. Joy showed up. Bible says that they begin to sing praises, and they begin to pray unto God. Joy showed up and strengthened them, strengthened them. Bible talks about Jesus um, 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 over in the book of Hebrews as he is uh, in, in, in embracing the reality of going to the cross to redeem all of mankind. And I can only imagine he's being whipped and he's, he's being spit on and people who he done helped their cousins by healing them, getting raised and all this stuff, did just mocking him. And he's got to be going through massive frustration, anxiety, and depression. But the Bible uses a very unique phrase. It says, but... For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame because of the joy that was set before him. So joy strengthens him. Perhaps in your world right now, you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. What I would offer for consideration is a very practical thing. It's say, Lord, I can't see the light, but you are my light. And if we can say, Lord, you are my light, then I believe that joy will come and strength will accompany it. Biblical truth about joy number two is that joy is an offering. Joy is an offering. Let's look at Psalm 27, verse 6. It says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Our teaching point is that joy is an offering. Perhaps I don't have the offering that everybody else has. But this is a great equalizer. Because sometimes, you know, you, 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 I don't, you, y'all don't do it in this church. Y'all don't do it in this church. But in some churches, like I need a, a $5,000 line, I need a $1,000 line, I need a $100 line, you know. And, and, and so sometimes that just becomes weird. That becomes weird. You know, something like, ooh, this is weird. It's perhaps you ain't got but $10. And you'd be like, yo, is my offering not good enough? Because you didn't call my do- here's Here's not an offering message. But, but watch this. Joy is something that everybody can offer. I'm going to offer joy. And the reality is hidden in the scripture in Psalm 27 and 6 is that sometimes that offering of joy is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. Because even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to make a decision to offer a sacrifice of joy. Well, you don't know what kind of week that I had. You don't know what my clients, I was expecting this big deal to go through, and then it fell out. Then the people on the job is doing this. Or me and my wife kind of had a challenging week. Or me and my husband had a challenging week. And I'm getting here, and right now all I want to do is just receive the love. 
I just need to receive the love. I'm just here like, yo, Jesus, I need to be reminded that I am yours. And that's good. But sometimes what can prompt that and accelerate that is even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to offer a sacrifice of joy. Right? Sometimes life can get so heavy that it seems to sit on your vocal cords. Right? Sometimes you be like, if, if Pastor Aaron gets up and he gets excited, last time I was here, he stood on the chair, folks. <laughs> stood on the chair. It's like, come on, praise the Lord. Everybody like, yeah, Pastor Aaron, you don't really know. Like, hey, I ain't talk to you, but holla at me Tuesday. And it's going to make sense, right? But the Bible encourages that sometimes it's a sacrifice of joy. Sacrifices in Old Testament and in New Testament were not always easy to do, but they were essential. Sacrifices are extremely powerful because sacrifices was often the conduit to connect that which is supernatural to superimpose that which is natural. So what would happen if I made up in my mind that even when I'm down, maybe my sacrifice ain't loud like everybody else's, but I can sit here and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's still a sacrifice. Somebody else can be running all around the Rome and say, okay, you run, be easy, don't hit yourself, but my sacrifice of joy is going to be see, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You get bad news. Lord, I know that you're in control, and I thank you. Lord, I know that you will not forget about me, and I thank you. So joy is an offering. Here's our third teaching point, is that joy is a gift. Joy is a gift, and the giver of the gift is God. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 2 and 26. Ecclesiastes 2 and 26 says this, For God, he gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. God gives joy. So perhaps you are like me sometimes. You're like, I ain't really got no sacrifice of joy to give. I ain't got the strength to say thank you. And on the surface, you'd be like, what do you mean? It's just words. I don't have the strength to say thank you. Keep living and breathing, eating, and going to the bathroom. You will discover that there are moments where it is difficult just to say thank you. But what can a prayer point be? God, you give wisdom, you give knowledge, and you give joy. And right now, I need some joy. I need joy. Let's finish the text. For God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give it to him who is good before God. Isn't that joyous, right? That's joyous to be, right? Uh, This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. You've got to understand Solomon's approach to the whole writing of Ecclesiastes. Basically, Solomon is saying, I'm the richest, I'm the wisest, and all this stuff. And what I've learned is that it is all nothing. It's all nothing. But we find this treasure of what is everything. God gives wisdom, and he gives knowledge, and he gives joy. It is that which comes from God that is everything. Our teaching point is that joy 
is a gift. My daughter just turned 16 on Thursday, and she sent us a list that when you add it up was probably about $30,000 in expenses. <laughs> we didn't get everything on that list. We did not. We maybe got a, the, the less than the third of the list in terms of value. And it was interesting that she asked for these gifts. And as her father, it gave me great joy on Thursday at her little social to see her opening up the gifts that she asked for. Joy is a gift. Over in the gospel, the Bible says, if we know how to give good gifts and take care of our natural children as earthly fathers, how much more will our heavenly father? So if we ask for joy, I just happen to believe that God is a man of his word and he will give us joy. Here's our final teaching point is that biblical truths around joy is that purpose instinctively responds with joy. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Purpose instinctively responds with joy. Um, uh, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. Uh, context around the story, the angel Gabriel visits Mary and says, hey, Mary, you are highly favored of the Lord and lets Mary know that, you know, God selected you to bring Jesus into the earth. And so let's fast forward over to verse 41, and Mary is having this encounter with Elizabeth. And in verse 41, it says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Verse 41 says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's jump to verse 44. It says, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting, she's talking to Mary, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Our teaching point is that uh, uh, the, 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 the instinctive response to purpose is joy. We've got to understand theologically this construct that is embedded in that one verse. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. We would then learn that there was this partnership, there was this purpose that the baby that Elizabeth was carrying will have with the baby that um, Mary was carrying. It was John the Baptist, the baby that Elizabeth was carrying, who went a forehead as a voice crying in the wilderness, I baptized you with water but there is one who is coming that is far greater than me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to patch together and clean and he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit the question is then asked how did he know that he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit I would offer for consideration that that question is answered in Luke chapter 1 verse number 41 and verse 44 is that when 
when the baby leaped, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only was Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, but the thing that she was carrying was also filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know that it was filled with the Holy Spirit, Pastor Jay? I know because the Bible says in verse 44 that one of the characteristics of being filled with the Holy Spirit was on full display. The Bible says that the babe leaped in the womb for joy. It is important to understand that you are carrying purpose even right now, that God has a plan for your life, that God has significance to your life, and there will be moments where you don't have joy in your mouth, but if you get filled with Holy Spirit, then the thing that you are carrying will respond with love, with joy. Have you ever been in a position where you say, I don't even know why I'm smiling. I don't even know why I'm not even crazy right now. It is because purpose, the purpose thing that we are carrying has been entrenched, has been immersed with Holy Spirit, and a characteristic of it is joy. So the purpose that God has for our life will respond and the characteristics of fruit of Holy Spirit will begin to show up. So what does my mind have to do with it? Only thing I need to do with my mind is renew it. It's renew it. And when it is renewed, it is now subject to Holy Spirit. And that's the thing, at least that's the thing. Sometimes you look at people and you want to know, how do they keep going? It's because the purpose on the inside of them, I feel like standing up. That's why I sat down on purpose. Because the thing that they're carrying, you want to quit. I can't quit. My mind is playing tricks on me like the lost boys. You understand what I'm saying? But my purpose is anchored in Holy Spirit. That's the truth. I'm frustrated with these children right now. I, but, 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 but my purpose is anchored in Holy Spirit. I want to quit this job right now, but God has a plan for me on this job. So my purpose is anchored in Holy Spirit. And so then joy shows up. The characteristics of these fruit show up. And so then the question that we've got to ask. So I hear that, Pastor Jay. What, 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 what do you do? when you run low on joy. Ever been to a point where you're just running on fumes? That's me, right? Sometimes I feel like, you know, my joy is on fumes. Like I am not at full, I'm not even at half, quarter tank three months ago, right now I'm on fumes, cause. What do you do when you run low on joy? I want to offer for consideration a couple things that I found in the scripture. Three points, and then we out. Number one, ask for joy. Number two, anticipate joy. And then number three, accept joy. Somebody say, put some Bible on it. All right, here we go. Ask for joy. You ask, we'll put some Bible on it. Psalm 51 is a prayer of David. It's a prayer of repentance. And what David is praying in Psalm 51 and 12, he's asking for joy. He says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. He's asking for joy. And uphold me by your generous spirit. We can ask for joy. Remember, God gives wisdom, 
He gives understanding and he gives joy. And so perhaps we're coming, we're saying, hey, I'm hearing this message on joy, but uh, how, how do we connect the dots? How do I make it practical? How do I make it real? Well, let's look to scripture. In scripture, David, the psalmist is praying, and in his prayer, he simply says, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Can we have a prayer moment right now? Can we take just 15 seconds and let's just think about your own life, think about your family, think about that situation where you are running low on joy, and let's ask God for joy right now. Father, will you give us joy? Will you restore joy in our family, joy in our mind, joy in our health, joy with our children, joy as it relates to our finances, joy as it relates to your heart for this nation, for this community, joy, restore unto us the joy of your salvation, Father. We ask for joy, Lord in Jesus name in Jesus name we can ask for joy here's our second teaching point when we're running low on joy is that we can anticipate joy we can anticipate joy over in Psalm 126 the psalmist writes something that is pretty often sang about and often quoted but there's a mystery in this Psalm 126 verse 5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. This is powerful because we understand the law of reciprocity says that there is seed, time, and harvest. And many of us get so discouraged, not on the sowing piece right here, or not on the harvesting piece, but on that time piece. Holy freaking moly. <laughs> like, yo, I've been waiting for a long time. I've sown, I've read, I've been faithful, I've done all that you have said do. But the Bible promises us that if we sow in tears, we will reap in joy. And so our point is to anticipate joy. It's like Farmer John. Have I told y'all my Farmer John story? I've not told y'all my Farmer John story. Farmer John would go out and he planted some seeds and expecting the harvest. He came out on the first day and it didn't rain and all the people started laughing, laughing at Farmer John. But Farmer John had the understanding that, you know what, this thing that God told me, that it is really true. So he came back a week later Still nothing. Came back a week later. Now everybody laughing at him. Everybody making fun of him. Say, I thought God told you this. Ah, look at John. Ah, Farmer John. Nothing happening for Farmer John. Right? Nothing happening. Then it starts to rain. It starts to rain. And then the rain, you know, rain is symbolic of Holy Spirit. That's why I'm sitting at least. That's why I'm sitting. It starts to rain on the seed. And then the people come out after four weeks, and they look and say, oh, John, look at that little bitty old harvest that John got. <laughs> he talked about all this stuff. But what they didn't understand is that there was something happening underneath the surface. 
And it is only a matter of time when the harvest of what he sowed will begin to show up so we can anticipate joy because sometimes life will happen where things bring you to your knees and they bring tears to your eyes and you're crying over it. It could be anything. Life happens. But the Bible is true that, you know what, if I'm sowing in tears, I will reap in joy. All I got to do is wait on the Lord and be of good courage because what God said will come to pass. Joy comes in the morning. Not joy might come. Not joy will come with conditions. Joy comes in the morning. If I sow and then it's watered by the Holy Spirit, all I am doing now is I'm in this anticipation phase. And that's what I've got to learn how to manage. I've got to learn how to sing while I'm waiting. I've got to learn how to pray while I'm waiting. I've got to learn how to study while I'm waiting. I've got to learn how to prepare while I'm waiting. People say to me, well, Pastor, you ain't got no $2.5 million to build that house. Let me tell you something. I look on the internet and pick out my furniture. And my process in anticipation brings me joy because I believe that it's coming. So what are we going to do in that anticipation phase? Until the manifestation, I would offer for consideration a different paradigm. The paradigm is that joy isn't showing up when it shows up. But if I can learn to inject joy into my now, that it will accelerate the manifestation of what God has said. Find a reason. Maybe I can't thank him for this, but I can thank him for the trees. Sometimes I like to go hiking, right? Best thing to do, just drop me in the mountains somewhere, and I'm cool. My wife thinks it's weird, and she tracks my location. But you drop me in the mountains somewhere, I'm good. I'm good. And my cat, what I do is I just find reasons, especially when I'm going through a tough time. I find reasons to say, Lord, I thank you for that bird. Lord, I thank you for that tree right there oh my goodness look at this ravine thank you for that lord how and then those gratitude moments begin to create joy in me and when joy comes then i begin to expect oh lord this is powerful experience mourning in my midnight joy does that so i can anticipate joy and then finally accept joy accept joy ask anticipate and accept joy let's put some bible on somebody say put some bible on it matthew 25 and 21 talks about this parable what jesus is really going in and and telling and it's around faithfulness and around stewardship and so in verse 21 of matthew 25 it says his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things here's what he says Enter into the joy of your Lord. We accept joy by RSVPing to the invitation. I believe that there are moments where the Lord will invite us to enter into his joy. Can I speak to somebody that's probably been waiting for a manifestation for a long time and your joy is running low? There comes a day where the Lord looks at your faithfulness. He looks at how you've honored him. He looks at how you've trusted him. He looked at how you have done the best that you could do. The best that you could do. 
to bring him glory. And there comes a moment where the Lord will speak and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over this. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. But watch this. That ain't the shouting part. The shouting part is enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the goal. The goal is not these metrics that we make up in the culture, man. But the joy is that I'm waiting for the invitation to enter into a different dimension of joy. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Here's the truth. This is really good news. Is that joy is embedded in the purpose of redemption. It's embedded in the purpose of redemption. In the book of Luke's Jesus is in the temple and he's and he's teaching but it's really quoting uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and in verse 3 of Isaiah 61 after he goes and says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to do all of these things. Verse 3, he says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The oil of joy. Another place we see oil is over in the Psalms where it talks about the anointing oil and the oil flow from Aaron's head down to his beard and all the way down. So I believe that it is the desire of God through this characteristics of the fruit of the spirit, joy, is for, for joy to get everywhere. You pour oil down here, you pour enough oil, it'll touch everything on the body and so can I just encourage you just encourage you is that Joyce go touch it Joyce go touch it Joyce go get there perhaps you're experiencing joy in your marriage but you're having some challenges with your children just hold on Joyce on the way perhaps you're experiencing joy in your business but you're struggling with joy in some other relationship just Hold on, just stay close to Jesus because the oil flows. The oil of joy is part of the purpose of why Jesus came. Joy is coming. And here's the reality scientifically. Oil flows slower than water. So it might take some time. But the goal is that he may be glorified. Matthew 2 and 10, and we're closing, says when they, talking about those three wise men as we recorded, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Here is my question as we get ready to go home. Is that looking at the landscape of our life, looking at the portfolio of our life, can we look for proof that Jesus is there? These wise men, wise men didn't see Jesus. They just saw a star. And that star was just a little something that was proof that Jesus was there. 
And the Bible says, and they responded with exceeding joy. Perhaps things are not looking the way that you want it to look right now. But will you look for that little proof that Jesus is there? And can we choose to respond like those wise men with joy? I want to pronounce this blessing over us directly out of scripture, Romans 15 and 13. Paul writes, and I say to us in this moment on July the 2nd, 2023, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, will you fill us with your joy today? Fill us with your joy and allow that joy to strengthen us. Allow that joy to keep us anchored and close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Just, uh, just if you would, bear with me for, for a couple moments. I just, I was thinking, like many of you are thinking, like, man, I'm hungry. At least brought bananas for me, so I'm good. I'll share if you, if you ask. But I, I just couldn't uh, just rush through this moment. I thought, could I, could I just ask you to do me another a, a favor? Would you just close your eyes just right where you are? You know, over the last several weeks, as we've been unpackaging this idea of of encountering and understanding the fruit of the Spirit. That there's been some opportunity for us to, to just kind of identify where we are in the journey. And, and the first step to experiencing the Holy Spirit is to first put our faith in Jesus. And that step really is, is it looks like this. It looks like us recognizing that there's something in our life that's not in alignment with Him. Or there's, or there's never been a moment in our life where we've been invited into a, a living relationship with Him. And so the Bible uses this word repentance. And I know sometimes we use that word and it sounds like so like extreme. But really all it is is just allowing ourselves to identify that which is not in alignment or that which is hurting us or harming us or keeping us from experiencing the kind of joy that Pastor John just so beautifully taught about. And, and offering it to the Lord and saying, here it is, Lord, I, I'm sorry that this has got my attention. I'm sorry that this has caused me to act this way. I'm sorry for behaving in this manner. That's all it is. It's just committing to, a, a, to turning around. Not a 360, it's a 180. It's turning away from the thing that's caused you so much harm and disappointment. Maybe even, maybe even caused you physical and emotional harm. And just turning it towards him and saying, I'm going to trust you with this thing. I'm going to trust you with my life. So that's the first step is to put in our faith in him. So with every eye closed, I just want to ask, is there anybody here today that, that needs to put their faith in Jesus? Just every eye closed. Right where you always just lift your hand to heaven. Say, that's me. I, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I, I've been going the wrong way. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been struggling. I've been, I've been not only hurting myself, I've been hurting everyone around me. Today is the day I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to receive 
forgiveness. I want to receive his love and his mercy and his grace. If that's you this morning, just right where you are, lift your hand to heaven. No one's looking. Awesome. Just keep it there. We're not, we're not going to hurry. That's awesome. That's awesome. Beautiful. Come on. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do all together. Those of you who raised your hand and those who didn't, we're, gonna, we're just going to say a simple prayer. And I just want you to repeat this after me. It's simply this. Jesus, today I repent of anything and everything that has kept me from pursuing you. And today I ask for you to forgive me. And today I put my faith in my life in your hands. And I ask you to lead me, guide me, comfort me, and align my life with your purpose for my life. Today, I trust you. Would you receive me and forgive me? I love you. Amen. Okay, one last thing. The other part of that is, the Bible teaches us that we put our faith in Jesus and then we receive the Spirit. You see, the, the Spirit isn't a conference that we invite everyone to, to, to hope that you encounter Him. The Spirit is a direct response to you putting your faith in Him. And the Bible teaches us that to, to receive the Spirit is simply to ask for it. And so, everyone close your eyes. Just a little exercise. If you've never received the Spirit, and, and you feel as though this season has is, is, is helped you to see that there's some characteristics of the fruit in which we've been talking about that are not ripe. Or you're unsure if you've got any real love or joy in your life, then, then, then what do you have to lose than to say yes to receiving the Spirit? What do you got to lose? What I know is that if you stick around long enough, we'll teach you about the Spirit in a way that would encourage you, would strengthen you, would comfort you, would stand by you, would never leave you, would be an advocate for you, not anything else. So if that's you this morning, you've never received the Spirit, with every eye closed, would you just raise your hands to heaven and say, that's me. You can just turn your palms up like this, like you're going to receive something. If there's anybody here this morning, beautiful, just, 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 just going to take a moment. If you're unsure, you're like, I don't know. Well, you got nothing to lose. I promise you, it's not weird. I know there's a lot of nuts and kooks out there. Is that a bad word? I'm sorry. Weirdos. That's not how I read and understand the Spirit myself. And I want you to know Him like I know Him. And it's simply by doing this. Just extending your hands to heaven and just saying this. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray every person here this morning who's never received the Holy Spirit, today, as they pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit, fill me, that you would in fact fill them to overflowing, that they would be strengthened, they would be encouraged, they would be comforted. Father, that they'd experience the fresh wind of heaven, there would be a joy that comes over them, there would be a peace that comes over them, there would be a transaction that takes place here today that would mark this day as a day that they forever have been changed by your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. In Jesus' name. Amen.